Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight as part of our ongoing series, Journey Through the Realms. Tonight, we're going to discuss the Dragonlance D&D setting. Now, the Dragonlance setting has kind of a storied creation, so bear with me for a moment. The Dragonlance setting was originally conceived by Laura and Tracy Hickman. The first module, Dragons of Despair, was published in 1984 by TSR for D&D First Edition and was followed by 15 additional installments. Later that same year, the first Dragonlance novel, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, was published. Then, in 1987, the first setting guide was published for Advanced Dungeons & Dragons First Edition under the title Dragonlance Adventures. Then, in 1992, the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Second Edition guide, titled Tales of the Lance, was published. Then, in 2004, the Dragonlance campaign setting was published for Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 by Margaret Weiss Productions and Sovereign Press. Uh, The newest information, as we have just learned within the last couple weeks, is there's going to be an official 5e version as well. So joining me to talk about Dragonlance is my guest, Megan J, a.k.a. Miss Megan J on Twitter. You may already be familiar with their work as the producer on the Dragonlance Canticle podcast. Well, Megan, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here talking to you. I loved your Spelljammer episode. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you for listening. I, uh, I'm thrilled to have you on as well. Now, this probably will come out in a different order than I have recorded them just because of the Dragonlance news. I, I probably will bump it up. Uh, but I've been doing this for a little while, and Dragonlance was the, one of the ones I've had the hardest time finding someone for. I had a couple people who both volunteered, and they kind of flaked on me, and stuff happens. I'm not mad about it. But um, with kind of the new version being announced, I kind of retweeted again, and then I don't know someone pushed you into my feed or you jumped in, but you were like, I'll do it, and we'll do it right away. And I'm like, yes, that's the <laughs> kind of energy I like. So let's start with your... Uh, Dragonlance origin story. So how did you come to be part of the Dragonlance world? When did you start playing? Obviously, you do a podcast about it, so I assume you're pretty knowledgeable and love it. So just lay it on me. So my first introduction to Dragonlance was probably when I was around 11 years old. I had a friend who had read Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the first Dragonlance novel, and he suggested that I read it. And at this time, I wasn't really a fan of fantasy so much, but Mm -hmm. I decided to give it a try and I read it. And I just, I loved it. And then I went on to the second book, which is Dragons of Winter Night. And the third one, Dragons of Spring Dawning. And then I just kept reading and reading and reading. I read every Dragonlance (laughs) novel I could get my hands on. We had a big collection at my library, fortunately. Um, And it became sort of a lifelong obsession. I started playing the Dragonlance game. I started playing D&D because of the novels. I had sort of a backdoor introduction to, to gaming that way. Uh, I played originally with second edition and then... Eventually, I moved into, I actually skipped third and fourth editions altogether, but now I play in fifth edition. So I'm very excited for the new new release. So again, and I'm going to put you on the spot, but do you know the details? You know, again, I I think I read the press release, but is it August? Is that how quickly we're getting this? No, August 4th is going to be the release of the next Dragonlance novel. Okay, okay. There's not an official release date for the setting yet. Okay, because I the, the the August date had had come in my mind, but I you know I just kind of skimmed over the press release, so I probably missed that. So we don't have an official release date, but we know it's coming, and probably this year or next would be my guess. Then we know it's going to be before the end of this year, although we don't have a firm date. 
Okay. Well, based on the release schedule, it's probably, I mean, I think, again, we're also almost halfway through the year. So we probably have a pretty good guess on when it will be coming. Um, is there anything you're particularly excited about for a fifth edition version other than just having the fifth edition rules? But is there anything that maybe from the other editions that you felt was lacking? Well, Dragonlance has for a long time needed kind of a makeover to make it okay. fit for fifth edition. At the Dragonlance Nexus, which is the website that runs the Dragonlance Canticle podcast, we have this free setting guide that's called Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything. It's a 5th nice. edition compatible setting guide for Dragonlance that we made um, as a labor of love. It's completely free, free and available as a PDF on our website, which is dragonlancenexus.com. But we don't have an official guide that kind of opens up this world to the 5th edition fans who okay. maybe don't know Dragonlance and are kind of curious, but they haven't read the hundreds of novels that they've that have been sure. written. They haven't played the 40 years worth of games that have been released. So the thing I'm most excited about this new release is just the influx of new Dragonlance fans. Mm. And hopefully this means that Dragonlance will continue into the future. And, well, fantastic. Oh, go, yeah, go ahead. And there's also a tactical war game being released with the setting guide. Not too much detail on what that's going to be, except it's created by one of the creators of Battlemasters. I think that's the name of it. I'm not, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's a, a Warhammer-like game. Oh, okay. So the idea yeah, is that cool. you play through your adventure like you would a normal D&D game. You come to this campaign or this this battle and then you switch over to the board game and you can play the board game oh very very cool so you can play them together or separately so we're going to jump into the kind of the same structure we've used for for many of the others for anyone who's been listening uh but just keep in mind that all the things we're talking about are truly referencing uh, megan's experiences with the older editions and the new edition we don't know any more about it so there could be some slight changes of emphasis and that kind of thing uh, but I always like to start kind of big picture, just in broad terms, how would you describe the Dragonlance setting to someone who's unfamiliar with it? I would describe the Dragonlance setting as an epic fantasy setting, Okay, which sets it a little bit apart from the more traditional Dungeons and Dragons settings, which existed at the time of Dragonlance's release. So that would have been, you know, Greyhawk, Blackmore. I'm not sure if Forgotten Realms had been released yet in 1984, but those settings all encourage dungeon crawling. You know, you go to one town, you find out, oh, there's this dungeon outside of town, there's a wizard there. You go in, you beat up the wizard, you take all the treasure. And that's kind of what Dungeons and Dragons was up until Dragonlance. Dragonlance created a much more epic scope to the story. It was the first setting to really emphasize narrative. The way that we think of Dungeons and Dragons now in terms of you go to the store and you buy this campaign book that has a long and a super adventure that takes you from level one to level 15. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a story with, with a bad guy and NPCs and, and these different encounters that didn't exist before Dragonlance. Dragonlance okay. created that framework. The original Dragonlance adventures for AD&D first edition, which started, like you mentioned with Dragons of Despair, that was the beginning of this narrative structure to campaigns where one adventure leads into another, leads into another, leads into another, and they're all connected by this meta plot. Okay. We take that for granted now. We just assume that's what Dungeons and Dragons is, but it right. hasn't always been that way. And Dragonlance started that by creating this epic narrative that the 
players could play through. Like if, if you'd read Lord of the Rings and you were interested in this kind of story where you start out as this little guy and then you make your way out into the big world and by the end you're you're fighting giant monsters and you're fighting in epic battles, that's what Dragonlance was for D&D. All right. Very, very cool. So I just have a few questions that we're going to kind of go through. So some we may hit in depth, some we may kind of skim over, but, you know, just we'll just kind of see where the conversation takes us. And some of these, you know, we may have already answered in piece and part before, but what do you think some of the unique fe- features of the setting would be? So we, we generally use Forgotten Realms kind of as the, what most people are familiar with. Again, not a, not a judgment on good or better, better or worse, but just different. So what do you think sets Dragonlance apart from a setting like Forgotten Realms? Well, in specific terms, there is there are different races that exist in Dragonlance that don't exist in Forgotten Realms, or okay. classic races have been replaced. So for example, in Dragonlance, there's a, an entire culture society of Minotaur. Prior to Dragonlance, Minotaur had just been, oh, you walk into a labyrinth, there's a Minotaur running around, you fight him. Mm-hmm. Dragonlance created this ancient Roman type culture for the Minotaur. And they're an, they're an intelligent race who takes who takes part in the affairs of the mortal world just like anybody else. Okay. Um, and then there's Draconians, which are sort of like Dragonborn, although they precede Dragonborn, and they they replaced orcs as they existed in Forgotten Realms. There's no orcs in Dragonlance. They've been uh, replaced by Draconians. Uh, and then there's also the infamous Kender, who replaced halflings. Mm-hmm. In the Dragonlance setting, Kender are sort of—if anybody knows anything about Dragonlance, they know about Kender. They're divisive. I would divisive. Say. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically halflings who steal compulsively out of curiosity and absent-mindedness, more so than malice. Mm-hmm. They don't steal for profit exactly. They steal things that are interesting to them. So those are the kind of those are the races that are kind of unique to Dragonlance. One of the things that's going to be interesting to find out in the fifth edition is how these races are going to be incorporated with the classic races. Like, is fifth edition Dragonlance going to have draconians and orcs? Is it going to have Kender and halflings? Mm-hmm. We don't quite know yet. Right. And one of the major themes of Dragonlance that really gives Dragonlance its unique flavor is this theme of balance. So the pantheon of Dragonlance is a balanced pantheon. There's seven gods of good, seven gods of neutrality, and seven gods of evil. And the idea is that these forces are always in alignment. And they they even have these constellations in the sky that represent them. So there's the, the queen of darkness, the goddess of evil. There's the platinum dragon, the god of good. And then there's the god of neutrality, who's a book. And they kind of circle each other in the night sky like a yin-yang. Okay. So there's this very sort of Taoist sentiment in Dragonlance, okay. where everything is in balance. Evil can never completely triumph as long as good keeps fighting, and good can never completely triumph as long as evil keeps fighting, and that's the ideal. But the main distinguishing feature of Dragonlance that sets it apart from all other settings is the presence of dragons in mortal affairs. In these classic settings, dragons are these monsters that live in a cave, and you go into this cave, you beat him up, and you take his treasure. Mm-hmm. In Dragonlance, the dragons are very much a part of the world and they're very much a part of society and they interact with humans, elves, etc. on a very regular basis, especially in warfare. The dragon rider kind of archetype is very is very present in Dragonlance. I mean, that's the titular dragon lands is like the weapon of the dragon knights when they fight 
other dragon riders. That's what they use to try to kill the dragons. And again, in, in my experience, I've been playing D a long time, but I was also very secluded in my early gaming. I pretty much played with my friends. I didn't really have a lot of access to the wider world. You know, we, we didn't really play. Like I said, dragons were things you went and found in caves and tried to kill and take their treasure. The idea of riding a dragon or fighting someone else who was also riding a dragon like in a joust just wasn't something we conceived of. So in the first and second and even 3.5 edition, though you said you skipped that one, were there dragon riders? Is that something we might see in fifth edition is the ability to get on a dragon, fly around? Because that would be pretty cool. I think it's very likely you'll be able to play as a dragon rider in fifth edition. Because there are many characters throughout, at least throughout the novels, who are dragon riders. Um, and the, I, there's actually two versions of the dragon lance. There's the one that's called the footman's lance, where you stand with, that's for when you're on the ground and a dragon is coming at you and you stab him. And then there's the greater lance, which is mounted to a special saddle when you're riding on dragon back. The idea is like, if you imagine knights in an old timey joust, they've got their, their lances set up on their, their horse's saddle and they're running at each other and trying to knock each other off the horse. That's essentially what's going on with the dragon riders, except they're trying to stab the other dragons with the dragon lance. And the dragon lance is kind of this great equalizer. So it gives humans an actual chance against, it gives a single human an actual chance against a dragon. So again, because I haven't played in any of the other D&D versions, but were dragons playable races? Could you play a game where one person is the dragon, the other is the rider, and they're like a duo, like going throughout and having adventures? No, it was more like the dragon is an NPC. Okay. But they're intelligent NPCs. You don't dominate the dragon like you would a horse. It's mm-hmm. you form an alliance. You form a partnership with the dragon. The idea is that the dragon and the rider are kind of partners in combat. So this question kind of bleeds into that one a little bit. But I like to ask, are there any important features, locations, NPC storylines? I know that's a broad category of Dragonlance that if someone is going to play in the setting, like who should they come across? Where should they go? Are there specific locations they should go through? Now I know the novels kind of tell a story and the, you know, the setting is going to probably be maybe a little bit more general. So you can kind of make your own story, but I still think we're going to probably see some recognizable names and places in, in the Dragonlance in fifth edition. So in any of that, all of that you want to tackle? I realize it's a very broad mm-hmm. question, so you can pick and choose what you think is most important. Well, the f- most important characters within the Dragonlance setting is this group of heroes around which the first original trilogy of Dragonlance novels revolve. Mm-hmm. They're originally called the Companions, although later they come to be called the Heroes of the Lance. And there's this group of heroes that are basically the pre-generated characters that were created for the original module but they became characters in the novels once the novels were written. There's not a definitive list, but there's maybe about 10 of them. But the most important one is a wizard called Raceland Magier. He is kind of the central character of Dragonlance, if you will. If you know anybody from Dragonlance, you probably know him. If you've ever seen artwork of a, a wizard, either with red robes or with black robes, and he's got white hair and gold skin and he's got these like golden eyes with pupils that are in the shape of hourglasses that's Raceland Magier he's kind of this he starts out as this like bullied mistreated sickly little kid and grows up to be the most powerful wizard in the world he's a very morally complicated character sometimes he does very good things and sometimes he does very evil things Uh, there's Tasselhoff the Kender he is kind of the entry point for 
the audience when you're reading the novel. He's sort of the person through which the audience views everything, almost like Bilbo in The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely be seeing Takesis, the Queen of Darkness. In the upcoming adventure, the title is Shadow of the Dragon Queen, and that can only be Takesis. Takesis is essentially the Dragonlance version of Tiamat, although she tends to be more depicted more humanoid than Tiamat, but she can transform into that five-headed dragon form. She is the okay. supreme goddess of evil, the supreme evil figure. She's the she's the Sauron of Dragonlance, essentially. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Lord Soth. He's a famous death knight. If you look at the monster manual in the, the section under Death Knight, the image that's portrayed there is Lord Soth, who is a, uh, a villain from the Dragonlance series. Uh, what about locations? Is there a, like a city like, you know, Sharn in Eberron, Waterdeep in Forgotten Realms? Is there a city or place that is probably like you, when you think of Dragonlance, you think of that place? It's actually a small town. It's called Solace. Okay. It's kind of the starting point for a lot of the novels. It's a town that was originally built up in the treetops. And there's a famous inn there called the Inn of the Last Home. And that's kind of the, that's the classic Dragonlance location. There's also a city called Palanthus, which is this powerful city-state that is, it's probably the closest that Dragonlance has to a major city like, you know, Baldur's Gate, Waterdeep, etc., Mm-hmm. It's not really an urban kind of setting. It's a society that's very fractured. There isn't really this network of trade and commerce and government that can support a big city like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, of course, there's the Dwarven Kingdom. It's called Thorbarden. There's two Elven Kingdoms, Qualanesi and Sylvanesti. There is a uh, a kingdom called well, it's not a kingdom, but there's a there's a realm that's called um, Salamnia which is home to the famous Knights of Salamnia, which is a background that you can choose in the new 5th edition setting. We've already gotten some information about that from the Unearthed Arcana. And there is this, there's another region that's called Naraka, which is the evil version of that, basically. They have their own order of evil knights, although they may, may not appear in the actual 5th edition setting. Gotcha. Now, I did read at least the first novel, but it's so many years ago. I don't remember a whole lot about it. But but wasn't it a thing that if you actually destroyed, killed one of the dragonkin, they exploded? So that's the draconians, yes. Okay. There's five different kinds of draconians. Each one is created from a, a different metallic dragon egg. So, for example, the Orac draconians are made from the gold dragon eggs and the Capac draconians are made from the copper dragon eggs, and they each do something different when they die. For example, the Capac draconians, when they die, they kind of explode into this big burst of acid, and you have to make like a dexterity saving throw to avoid mm-hmm. getting acid all over you. There's another kind where in the original in the original setting, the Boz draconians or Bozak, I forget now, but when they die, they turn into stone. So if you were you know mm-hmm. in the midst of stabbing it with your sword and it turned to stone. Your stone got stuck like the sword in the stone. Gotcha. Okay, because I do remember that from the books, and that is something I have stolen into, into a lot of my games. I have I've added in creatures that 
explode when they die or, or some other sort of, you know, catastrophe happens. So, so winning is sometimes losing, you know, and I know there's other monsters like bone shards and stuff have been created as well. But I think I was doing that way early and it was really bad because I'm sure I didn't make it balanced in any way. It was pretty awful, but, uh, but fun. It's a, it's a, you get a gleam in the eyes of DM when they land the killing blow, but you're also like key and you pick up a bunch of D sixes. So, you know, it never stops being, back. it never stops being fun. <laughs> When your players Fantastic. forget that this thing is oh. going, even if they know it's going to happen, they always forget. And they just, right. they go in for this kill thinking, eh, well, I can get a little acid damage. I'll be fine. But it's it's just very satisfying as a DM. <laughs> All right. So my next question here, um, what sorts of adventures do you think this setting supports more so over, over others? And this, this may be a none, but do you think there's any type of adventure that this would make more sense like if you think of a Dragonlance adventure as opposed to a Forgotten Realms is there any qualities that you think are more Dragonlance-ish? Well we already touched on it just a little bit when I mentioned the idea of epic fantasy so I think that Dragonlance lends itself to these narratives these stories where your characters are fighting some world-threatening evil as opposed to just your characters are trying to get the treasure from the dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also a strong post-apocalyptic element in Dragonlance. Okay. At the time that the original Dragonlance adventures start, there are no gods present in Dragonlance. They've all vanished following this event that happened about 300 years previously. That's called the Cataclysm. So the Cataclysm is essentially the the gods throw a meteor at, at the planet Kryn, and then they disappear. So the next 300 years or so of history is is basically this this godless world where every civilization that has survived that hasn't been destroyed has become very isolated and very insular mm-hmm. uh, there there's no great kingdom that controls things there's no powerful kings there's just little city states little collections of villages and then there's the the few kingdoms that survive are like the dwarven kingdom of thorbarden and the the elven kingdom of qualanesti but essentially, if you want to play during this era, you're playing in a world with with no law. It's basically The Walking Dead, that kind of environment. Okay. There's no law. Nobody's in charge. There's bandits everywhere. There's famine. There's disease. It's just... Uh, it's called The Age of Despair. That's why, that's why the first module is called Dragons of Despair. This era is called The Age of Despair, which is a great name for a post-apocalyptic setting. I, I agree, yes. And then the second kind of adventure that this setting really supports is war adventures. So a, an adventure that takes place against the backdrop of uh, an epic an epic war. The most important of these wars is called the War of the Lance. That's what the original novels and the original modules focus on is this war. And this is likely what the 5th edition setting is going to focus on as well. Everything that we've seen has indicated that it's going to be set during the War of the Lance. And that's why they're incorporating this this war game board game when they release it, because you can kind of play out these battles between knights and dragons mm. as you're telling this story of adventurers in a wartime campaign. I do wonder, this is completely a bit of a tangent, but just as someone who has played some of those games, do you think it's a thing where you role play and you get to the moment of the battle and you have the battle and it goes poorly and you get wiped out? Do you play the battle again until the heroes win and then pick up the story? Or is that a campaign end? Or if, if the, if the module or if the miniatures game goes poorly, is it 
did you just roll that into your story? Or, and I guess that's DM can do whatever they want, but I'm just curious if it's the type of thing where you might be like, okay, well, let's try that again rather than all the characters actually die. That's an excellent question. I don't think we quite know the answer to that yet. Yeah. I certainly hope that if everything goes south in your campaign, then that's what you'll role play going forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe your characters don't necessarily get killed, but their army gets defeated and the bad guys win. And then they have to deal with the fallout of that. You know, if they're, if they're trying to defend this territory and this territory and they, they lose the battle, their territory gets invaded. And then they have to role play as, as combatants behind enemy lines going forward. I think that goes to your point that Dragonlance is the type of setting where those types of changes are something you roll with. Like you don't just go into a, to a dungeon, take somebody's stuff, but you deal with the the losses and the change in the, in the environment and the, and the society around you. So, Again, I imagine every DM has will have the option to do it however they want. But I do agree that probably it would be best to just not kill all the characters, but take the defeat and then roll that, how that affects the world into the next setting or next sessions going forward. Yeah, because a war is a back and forth. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And the idea is to position yourself to win when it really counts. Absolutely. Uh, so next few questions are, are very personal to you, but do you have a favorite memory? Uh, as a player or as a DM uh, in a Dragonlance campaign? If you have one of each, feel free to share. I do have one of each. I'm going to start with the DM one. Okay. Uh, So I was running Horde of the Dragon Queen, um, the fifth edition module. So there's Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. Together they form this, they form a greater campaign that's called Tyranny of Dragons. Mm Mm-hmm. The way it's written, it's set in the Forgotten Realms, but it's very easy to adapt into Dragonlance, specifically because the goddess Tiamat is so important to the Dragonlance setting. We call her Tachesis in Dragonlance, but but she's essentially Tiamat. She's one of the creator gods of Dragonlance, and she's the most powerful. She's the queen of the evil gods, essentially. They all bow to her. And so we were playing this adventure horde of the Dragon Queen set in Dragonlance, and I had a character who, or I had a player who was playing a um, an Oath of Conquest paladin. And she had, for some reason, I'm not entirely sure, she had latched onto this god that's called Sarganus. And he's the god of, like, vengeance and fire. And his, his um, symbol is a red condor. So for whatever reason, that my player fixated on this god and she wanted... She wanted her paladin to be a disciple of this god that she just, his, his name is Sargonis, but she just called him the Red Condor in game. And when she got to level three and she wanted to do her, to do her paladin oath, she wanted to role play this out. She didn't want to just say like, okay, I choose Oath of Conquest. So she had this moment where she, she goes up on top of a, the, the tower of this castle that they've just defended at sunrise or sunset or whatever. And she makes this oath to the red condor and she, she wrote out this whole oath that she made and she almost, she she basically performed it for the group. And she was kind of, by the end, she was kind of like misty eyed. She was like so into what she was doing. And so I didn't really need to do anything to make that moment any more meaningful for her. So I just described this sort of image of a red condor appearing from above and flying over her shoulder and flying into the sunset. To be like, that's her her sign from the god that he accepts her oath. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Kudos to the player and to you for just that little Susana, you know, that little extra on the end there. I think that's really great. Uh, so what about as a player? Okay, so 
this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. So anybody who hasn't read the, the novel Dragons of Autumn Twilight and would like to, skip ahead a couple minutes. Uh, in Dragons of Autumn Twilight, there is a character called Goldmoon. And she has this magical item that's called the Blue Crystal Staff. And this Blue Crystal Staff is very important because it's the first evidence that that people have had in 350 years that the gods are still there. Um, it's the first the first example of divine healing that's existed in hundreds of years in this setting. And it's a super powerful weapon. And the the characters proceed to this ancient ruin. And I was playing I was playing Goldmoon uh, for this adventure. Okay. So I had the blue crystal staff. And they proceed into this the ruins of a city called Zaxaroth that's was destroyed during the cataclysm. It's basically sunken into the ground, and it's ruled over by a black dragon. So our characters, we descend into the ruins, we eventually get to the lair of the black dragon. And I knew from the books that what's supposed to happen is that Goldmoon is supposed to hit the black dragon with the blue crystal staff. And that's how they defeat the dragon. Cause we're only like, I mean, this is an ancient black dragon and we're all only like fifth level at this time. Mm-hmm. So my, my DM, I knew that he, he wanted us to have like a little bit of combat, let it get beat up a little bit and then come in with the blue crystal staff and smack the dragon. But I knew what my role is in all of this from reading the book. So, so I say, okay, well, I, I approach the dragon uh, holding the blue crystal staff. Meanwhile, all the, the other characters are all looking for this sacred artifact that we're supposed to find in, in the dragon's horde. And I approach this dragon and I kind of like grab my staff like I'm swinging a baseball bat and I just swing it right at the black dragon's face. And so I roll my dice to see if I hit and I got a natural 20. Mm. And so the DM, knowing that this is, I mean, this is a narrative moment. I'm supposed to hit this dragon with the blue crystal staff and destroy it. But because I rolled a natural bunny, he said, okay, well, I won't have you guys fight it. You'll just kill it. So that was the story of the time that I one shot a black dragon. <laughs> Fantastic. That is my most proudest moment. That is my proudest moment as a player. One shotting that black dragon. I knew it was going to happen, but still, it was still very satisfying. But, you know, sometimes the story and the dice work together perfectly in concert. And I think that's, you know, those moments, uh, you live for those, I think, as a DM and as a player. So you have somebody, and they're about to start running their first Dragonlance campaign. Now, we're, the book isn't out yet, but we know it's coming soon. But do you have any advice for a DM to give them, you know, just one piece of advice to make sure that they're, one, a successful DM of a Dragonlance, but that it feels like a Dragonlance campaign? Well, the first thing that I would suggest to any DM that wants to run a Dragonlance campaign is to go to our website, dragonlancenexus.com, and download the free PDF of Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything. Even before the 5th edition official setting gets released, it's got everything that you need to play Dragonlance in 5th edition. It's got information on all the races, all the locations, all the societies, all the magical artifacts that exist. It's got everything you need. I also recommend that anybody who's interested in running Dragonlance read the Chronicles trilogy, which is uh, Dragons of Autumn, Twilight, Winter Night, and Spring Dawning. It will really give you a complete kind of overview of this world that you're going to be playing in. Um, and I also recommend to consider the time periods because Dragonlance has a really long history and different periods lend themselves to different adventures. So we already touched upon uh, this post-apocalyptic godless world that you can play if you play in the Age of Despair. 
If you play during the War of the Lance, you can play in this like World War campaign. If you want something more traditional, you can play post-War of the Lance, where everything, where the, the world is kind of rebuilding. You know, it, it's Europe post-World War II, where they're in this sort of rebuilding stage. And that's if you want mm-hmm. to run the more, the more classic kind of D&D adventures, that's, that's the way to do it. You also need to consider consider the the themes of balance because that that balance is really baked into the system. Um, you can't quite do Dragonlance without this idea of the balance between good and evil, and also to consider the role of dragons um, because dragons should be there in your story. If you're doing a Dragonlance game and there's not Dragonlance presence or at least their implied presence or their presence has some kind of effect on on the characters, then it's not. You, you're kind of missing the point of Dragonlance. Sure. Dragons are such an important part of this world that they always need to be considered. And all the characters and all the all the cities and all the factions have to deal with the presence of dragons in this world. Okay. And lastly, be very careful with any player who wants to play a Kender. <laughs> Kender are a very fun and and I love Kender. However, you need a disciplined player to pull off a kender. If you don't have a disciplined player as your kender, they're going to be very disruptive just by the nature of kender. Kender are just disruptive. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, my limited experience, I would say yes. <laughs> again, because they are a divisive uh, you know, figure in the game. If They could go wrong very easily. And there's no reason that a kender has to be played disruptively that's why you need someone who is committed to making sure that everybody at the table is going to be having fun not just them being chaotic words of wisdom all right so now the other side of the coin you have someone who's about to be a player whether they're familiar with Dragonlands or not maybe they're coming to this fresh because of the new setting uh, any advice for a player to make sure that they are creating a character and just in the right mindset to really get a lot from a Dragonlands type of campaign so I would consider the question of where does your character fit into this fractured world? As I mentioned before, there's no centralized government really in Dragonlance. There isn't this network of trade and commerce that exists in these other worlds. Mm-hmm. So your character has likely grown up in isolation to a certain point, to a certain extent. And so you want to think about how that influences your character. How does how does somebody living in a world where everything is not interconnected, how do they deal once they've stepped out into this wider world? And suddenly they're meeting uh, races they've never met before. They're meeting, uh, you know, suddenly they're meeting wizards and they're meeting clerics and they're meeting these different kinds of people that they've never met before. And I would also say to lean into the, lean into the epic nature of Dragonlance, meaning if you're, if you're designing a character who's only interested in collecting treasure, then you're you're going to miss out on a lot of the fun of Dragonlance. You want to have the kind of character who either wants to save or destroy the world, basically. Yeah, it's good to have goals, right? Yeah, exactly. And that that sort of is going to influence this this broad scope of the Dragonlance campaign that you're going to play. Your character should your character should dream big, basically. Fantastic. So I always like to ask, you know, where should people go to get more info? Now, so the Dragonlance will soon be a fifth edition setting, so there'll be a book coming out. The novels still still exist. And we already mentioned your website, but drop it again. What's the name of your website, the Nexus? 
So the website is the is dragonlancenexus.com. Okay. And I'll put links in the show notes for everything uh, that we cover. We have uh, everything that you need for Dragonlance. Essentially, we have we have articles. We have the podcast, which is called Dragonlance Canticle Podcast. You can find that through the website. You can also find it just anywhere that you listen to uh, listen to podcasts. Um, we have gaming materials, both our gaming materials, and we have links to the to the official materials that were released for previous editions. They're still available on the DMs Guild as PDFs, and I think maybe some of them are still available as printouts. But yeah, Dragonlance Nexus has everything Dragonlance related that you need. Right, and then give me the elevator pitch for your podcast. We mentioned a couple times, but what is it for the uninitiated? So the Dragonlance Canticle is a podcast focused all on Dragonlance. We talk about we do deep dives into Dragonlance lore and Dragonlance novels. We also discuss Dragonlance news. So anybody who's interested in learning uh, about the new Dragonlance Unearthed Arcana that was released a few weeks ago and anybody interested in learning more information about the 5th edition setting that's coming up, if you listen to Dragonlance Canticle podcast, we have several episodes discussing the recent announcements. We also have episodes discussing the upcoming release of the novels. We're kind of in a restructuring phase for the podcast to kind of make it more, make it more active, make it more current. Mm-hmm. Especially now that Dragonlance is hopefully, hopefully yeah. due for a, a renaissance with the release of the fifth edition setting. We're hoping we'll get a big influx of interest in Dragonlance and interest in playing in these settings. And we want to be there to accommodate that interest. Well, I hope anybody who's listening to this will go check out the website and check out your podcast as well. And then hopefully we're kind of riding the same wave. I hope there's a bunch of people who are interested in Dragonlance will find this episode uh, and then we'll funnel them towards you as well. Uh, So, Megan, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you. You have so such a wealth of of knowledge and clearly a passion for the setting. (laughs) You were absolutely the right person to get for this. Uh, so if people want to come hang out with you specifically, so not necessarily the podcast, but like, you know, Twitter and anywhere else, social media, if Reddit, Discord, wherever you want people to come find you, where should they go? Just look for me on Twitter. It's Miss Megan J on Twitter and Megan is spelt M-E-A-G-H-A-N. So Miss Megan J on Twitter. All right. And again, there'll be links in the show notes to the website, to the podcast, and to your Twitter handle and anything else I can find that I'll throw in there as well. And I think that will do it for this episode. So any final words, anything that we skipped over or you're like, oh, wait, I should have said this final chance to wrap up anything you want to hit one more time before we go. I think I've I've said everything that I really wanted to say. Just if you're interested in Dragonlance, visit us at our website. Check out the the classic materials that are available on DMs Guild. Read the Chronicles trilogy. You won't be disappointed. Fantastic. Uh, so once again, thank you for hanging out with me tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, as for myself, of course, you can find me at the RPG Academy. Uh, we're more of a general sort of uh, podcast. We cover a lot of different stuff. We have actual plays. We have interviews. We have news, uh, Kickstarters, you name it. We probably have a show that covers it. Yes. I just wanted to announce that we're hopefully going to be starting a Dragonlance actual. We, Sorry, oh. we actually do have a Dragonlance actual play that's already going on. It's called... Um, Dragons on the River of Time, which is available on our our uh, YouTube channel, which is Dragonlance Nexus, and we're hoping to start an actual play for that specifically for the podcast. Oh, very very cool! Thank you very much for sharing that as well. So here at the RPG Academy, our motto is, of course, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. And then I also just want to mention something we've been adding to the last few episodes. We're going to go do going forward is playing games is supposed to be fun. 
but if you start to find yourself no longer enjoying things that you used to enjoy, that is one of the signs that you might be dealing with a mental health um, struggle. So if you or someone you know just doesn't seem to be right, something's going on and you think they need help, uh, we will be including in our show notes going forward uh, the number to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, uh, the Crisis Text Line, and the Trevor Project. Uh, so just again, we love you. We want you to stick around. So if you're struggling or know someone who is, please make sure they get help. Uh, so with that, we will sign off and say thank you, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.